This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, front and center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey, and we've got quite a bit of stuff to get into this week. I am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat reporters. Uh, my colleague Dave Shane, who of course normally joins me on this show, is still on vacation, and I hope he is enjoying that time away. So I am flying solo uh, for another week. If you missed it last week, the first solo show I did, I tried to go through uh, kind of some advanced statistics that are involved in hockey and break those down. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, I recommend you listen to last week's show. If you're not, no biggie. Hopefully this show will have something for you as well because I've got some NHL news to talk about. I've got some Henderson Silver nice news to talk about. And hopefully you guys will find it all interesting. Before we get started, a quick reminder that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by Indeed and Favorshot, drinkafavor.com. Also, please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. I've got two stories up on the site today. I've had stories the past couple days because there are things happening with the Golden Knights and the NHL, and I would anticipate them potentially still happening throughout the rest of the week here. Uh, and of course, if you like this podcast, if you could uh, rate, review, subscribe, Whatever you do podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, that would be very much appreciated. All right, so I mentioned that there was some kind of league-wide news to talk about, and that is the fact that uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman basically came out on Tuesday and hinted at a lot of the things that have previously been hinted at, speculated at, all those sorts of things when it comes to next season. Uh, Bettman told NHL.com the NHL is considering playing in hubs again, but, you know, they called it short-term hubs. It is considering realigning uh, the league and its teams, you know, potentially getting that all-Canadian division in there. That's me speculating about the all-Canadian division. That is not official yet, though I certainly would expect it to become official potentially if the league does go down this route. Uh, And it is potentially the NHL going to reduce its 2020-2021 schedule now all three of those things make sense for a number of reasons but uh off the hop i think it's pretty significant that bettman is talking about these things that he's talking about these things publicly albeit with a pretty friendly 
uh, source in terms of the league's own website. But if you have followed the NHL for basically Gary Bettman's entire tenure, you know that what Gary Bettman wants, he usually gets, or at least he dies trying, potentially trying to get uh, what he wants, which is how the league has ended up with a number of labor stoppages during his tenure. So I would rate all of these things as pretty likely to happen. So the first one, the short-term hubs idea, basically the idea would be to kind of have teams play in kind of hub cities again, but not have it be as strict, not have it be this kind of lockdown, you know, impenetrable bubble, impenetrable bubble that the league set up in uh, Toronto. And then, of course, Edmonton, which is where the Golden Knights played. And they were, you know, isolated in hotels in these two hub cities. They were not allowed to enter or exit the bubble once basically things got started. There was a process, I should say, for entering the bubble. But if you came late, but it was pretty, you know, uh, intense. And so I don't think uh, the league is going to have quite as strict of protocols going on this time. Instead, what Bettman said at a uh, virtual panel on Tuesday is that basically the teams would go to these bubbles for 10 to 12 days. They would be able to play, you know, you would assume five to six games in that span because there's no travel and they are playing basically every other day in the bubble during the postseason. And then they would get to return home for a week. So instead of being aware from their families for potentially, you know, two months straight, like they were in the postseason. Okay, now we're talking about less than two weeks you go away from your family, and then you get a week back with them with kind of the understanding, much like it was during training camps, uh, you know, leading into the playoffs that when you're home, lay low, don't go out. And of course, we're going to test all you guys before you get back in to the bubble, but we're going to place more trust in you than we did for the postseason in terms of, you know, be smart, don't go out, don't do anything to put yourself or the, you know, then potentially your teammates at risk. So we'll see if that ends up working, but that certainly seems to be an easier ask from the league to the players than, you know, going back to just bubbles full time would be because you talk to, you know, a lot of the Golden Knights players once they left uh, Edmonton, they're pretty happy to leave. And you can understand why a lot of these guys have obviously, you know, partners, wives, girlfriends, a lot of them have kids. And I feel like being away from them for, you know, months on end again was probably going to be a non-starter for the players and then ultimately the Players Association. So it sounds like the NHL might be trending toward a hybrid format, kind of, you know, not quite as strict of a bubble, but still a little bit of a bubble going into next season. Uh, Bettman did, however, not rule out potentially, you know, having teams play in their home arenas. And keep in mind, back in January, or not January, back before the Stanley Cup final started, uh, January is when this next season is supposed to start. As you can tell, you know, the dates are all just getting mixed up in my head. Uh, He said before the Stanley Cup final that how we start the season is not necessarily indicative of how we might finish the season. So it's possible the league starts in these kind of modified bubbles just to kind of get the season up on its feet. And then if, you know, the vaccine comes kind of, you know, in the middle of the year, towards the end of the year, maybe they're then able to go back to home arenas. So, you know, this might just be an idea to start the season, but they might not be beholden to it for the entire regular season. Um, The realignment part of this, which is the second aspect that Bettman touched on. um, Like I said, this makes sense in terms of the all Canadian division aspect because the U.S. Canadian border is still closed to non-essential travel. So if you're talking about teams, you know, now not going just 
uh, once to the bubble and then once out of the bubble, but potentially back and forth a couple times, uh, then that really makes it a non-starter for Canadian teams to kind of go back and forth across the border that easily. And so if you're going to break it by down by division, it would make it really hard for, you know, division like the Knights, the Pacific Division to function because you've got multiple Canadian teams, the Canucks, the Flames, the Oilers, that would potentially have to go back and forth. And that just seems like too much logistical hassle at this point. So it would make more sense to have one Canadian bubble where all the Canadian teams can go and play each other and not have to worry about border issues and then split the remaining 24 uh, U.S. teams into three other different bubbles. Now, Bettman didn't necessarily confirm that they're going to look to do four hubs, but that seems like the most likely outcome here. And in that case, you know, the Knights are probably going to partner up with the remaining Pacific Division teams that are U.S.-based. So that's the Coyotes, the Kings, the Sharks. Um, and you would figure that they're going to get some extra central teams as well joining them. And so, you know, Colorado seems like a slam dunk to potentially uh, be with the Knights in this scenario. But obviously, this is all not official. And, you know, they'll build a schedule from there. It will also be interesting to see if Las Vegas is going to be one of the candidates to be one of these hubs. Uh, as people probably remember from the summer, Las Vegas was one of 10 finalists for the 2020 postseason. And it probably would have been one of the hubs if Las Vegas did not have a kind of COVID-19 spike right around the time the NHL was trying to finalize things. Uh, the numbers in terms of the number of cases in both Toronto and Edmonton were so much lower than the number of cases that were going on in Las Vegas at the time. So for safety reasons, Las Vegas went from being a front runner to being on the outside looking in. Uh, but now it would be interesting to see if the league circles back and says, well, if we're going to do more than just two bubbles, does Las Vegas make sense? And it probably does. So that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, and then the reducing the schedule part. And once again, there's not a lot of details on this yet. This is just Gary Bettman floating something out there. Uh, not in terms of floating something out there to get the reaction, but I think this is him floating something out there to say, like, this is what it's going to be. Everyone start to wrap your heads around this. Um, but it'll be interesting to see exactly how short they go. But it would really help the league in a lot of areas. It would allow the league to get back closer to its kind of normal calendar. Because if you do a full 82 game schedule next season, well, then you're probably going to start uh, next next year, you know, the 2020-2020 or 2021-2022 season late as well. And it's going to take you a while to get back to the NHL's normal calendar. In this case, if you shorten the schedule a little bit, maybe you can end not quite when you would normally end the season, but just a little bit after. And you can make it a lot easier to then start up the 2021-2022 season in October. And then all of a sudden you're back on track. Uh, it could also help the NHL award the Stanley Cup and kind of get off uh, the TV airwaves before its U.S. TV partner, NBC, starts broadcasting the Olympics. I think that's something that the NHL very much wants to avoid a conflict between the postseason and the Olympics. And also, obviously, next offseason is going to be huge because the Seattle Kraken are going to be officially kind of ramping up and getting ready for their debut season. So I'm sure the NHL wants to give them, you know, as much of a clear runway as possible because once it has its full 32 teams, you know, then 
it can really start to uh, take advantage of that new big market in Seattle. I think there's a lot of high expectations for how that team is going to perform business-wise for sure. And we'll see if they can duplicate the night success. But uh, especially because of the business angle, I think the NHL is going to try to give Seattle every chance to succeed in the hopes that probably that can be kind of a buoy for them with all the losses that they've been taking because of COVID-19. The big battle, of course, if they decide to shorten the season is how will players get paid in that instance? Are they going to get paid what their contract says they get paid for 82 games? Or if, say, they play 72 games, which is what the NBA is going to do, do the NHL players receive, you know, 72 80 seconds of their paycheck? Or will the players fight for the full amount on their contract? That's going to set up as a really interesting battle and it will uh, potentially test the uh, relationship between the NHL and the NHLPA after those two sides uh, finally work together to hammer out the return to play stuff for the playoffs and the collective bargaining agreement extension that was supposed to give them, you know, labor peace for the first time in a really long time because these are two sides that have not worked together that often in the past and often, of course, uh, led to some labor stoppages and. It seemed like there was optimism that maybe they can avoid that uh, this time around. Now maybe they're going to get dragged back into it. We'll see. There's a lot, of course, uh, premature information that was kind of floated out there by Bettman. Not a lot of details, but I do think it provides an interesting kind of roadmap as to where the NHL wants to go. And we'll see ultimately how they land when they get there. Uh, So that's the NHL news of the week, which is the first major topic I wanted to hit today. Uh, the rest of the show, I wanted to talk about the Henderson Silver Knights because there's a lot of Silver Knights news this week. And a lot of it, for the most part, for the team, I would say was at least pretty solid. Uh, the big thing was they revealed their jerseys on Monday. And, and this is just me editorializing here, I would say they're okay. Uh, as listeners of this podcast may remember from many, many shows ago, I am actually a really big fan of the logo. I love the Warhorse. I think that's really, really sick. As of the jerseys, they're fine. I actually think the gloves are really cool. They have uh, black gloves and white gloves. Uh, the jerseys, which are either silver or white, they're not anything fancy, but but they work. I think the white ones are probably uh, a little bit better than the silver ones. I like how those jerseys look with the white gloves, but neither of them kind of blow you away. Uh, the thing that's really, I guess, interesting or at least unique about these jerseys are the nameplates. Uh, they have black nameplates and then there are gold lettering on the black nameplates. And this is, of course, as I just got done mentioning, despite the fact that neither jersey is black. And so the Flyers are an NHL team that does this. Uh, their orange jerseys have white nameplates and their white jerseys have black ones and It's not something that I'm used to seeing, and so I don't particularly love it. I mean, maybe it's something that you get used to if you see it a lot, but, you know, for me, that might be one aspect of these jerseys that they kind of overthought it. They might have gotten a little bit too cute with it, Uh, but also, that's just my opinion. Uh, If you want to check out photos of the jerseys, of course, we have them at ReviewJournal.com, as well as a full story going over the jersey reveal. And then the other big piece of news for the Silver Knights this week was that their practice facility opened. Uh, Lifeguard Arena officially opened its doors on Tuesday. 
Uh, it's pretty close to a City National Arena 2.0 with some, you know, minor adjustments. It's very similar. So I got to walk around on Tuesday. And I don't necessarily mean it's similar in a bad way because I think City National Arena for a hockey facility is really nice. And if you're the Silver Knights and the AHL team and you're getting a very similar facility to what the NHL team has, you can only be pretty happy with that. And certainly talking to uh, Silver Knights coach Manny Viveros, he was pretty excited about, you know, what the team was kind of giving him to work with. He said it was an NHL kind of quality facility and he thought players were going to be really excited to uh, go to work there every day. Uh, For those of you that haven't heard that much about the arena yet, and of course I've got a story on this on our website, uh, like I said, it's very similar to City National. It's got two rinks. It's going to have a McKenzie River Pizza restaurant, though that's not open yet. Uh, It has a coffee shop. It's going to have a team store. Uh, This one's called The Library. So if you want to get your Silver Knights gear, that's where you can go. Um, And then other than that, it's got a couple other you know, new bells and whistles. The seating is slightly different. They're going to be able to potentially fit a couple more people uh, into Lifeguard Arena than they could at City National. Um, they also have some meeting space that businesses are going to be able to use. They're going to have an outdoor plaza. It's still under construction, but they're going to have an outdoor uh, area with a 46-inch uh, screen, I believe. And so that could be a pretty cool place to go to uh, at some point. And, you know, overall, I think the impressions everyone had were pretty positive. Um, Keep in mind that the Chicago Wolves, they both practice some at Allstate Arena, which is where they played. And then they also practice some of the time at just a community center. So I think having a dedicated practice facility is going to be an upgrade for a lot of the guys that have been playing in the AHL in this organization so far. And it's probably only going to help their development, uh, as Manny Viveros told me. You know, this organization is giving these guys all the tools they need to succeed. They're not giving them kind of excuses about, you know, why they, you know, failed or why they came up short or why they just didn't quite develop enough. They're trying to give these guys as many tools as possible. I remember Golden Knights owner Bill Foley, when they did the, I believe it was the logo reveal a while back, said, you know, a lot of NHL teams treat their AHL franchises as, you know, quote unquote, stepchildren. And he was determined not to do that when it came to the Silver Knights. And so I certainly think that uh, Lifeguard Arena is him putting his money where his mouth is. And not just his money, of course, because the city of Henderson chipped in as well. But certainly it is an investment uh, by the Golden Knights into their AHL organization, into Henderson as well, because they're going to expand their youth programs and stuff. Um, And so... You know, if you're a fan of this podcast, if you're listening, you're probably into hockey and everything. I encourage you to check it out, especially if you're a Henderson resident like I am. Uh, It looks like it's going to be, you know, another good outreach addition for the Golden Knights. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. 
Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hires you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots? Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Wrapping up here, one thing I wanted to talk about in terms of the Silver Knights was just some players to watch for uh, fans that are excited that there's a, another professional hockey team in the Las Vegas Valley that are excited to potentially watch them when and if they're uh, ever able to with, of course, the mitigating circumstances of this crazy year that we're living through. Um, and, of course, obviously, it's probably going to be more affordable to watch the Silver Knights as well. So with that in mind, like I said, I came up with a couple guys that I'm you know, really intrigued to see how they progress this year. With the Silver Knights, you know, these are the guys that are going to be filling those jerseys that I previously talked about. Uh, I'm going to mainly focus on guys who I think are going to spend, you know, the bulk or have a good chance to spend the bulk of their season in the AHL next year. Um, There's guys like, you know, Cody Glass is probably going to mainly be an NHL player next year. Nick Hag is probably going to be going up and down quite a bit because, you know, based on the fact that they took him to the bubble, he's probably, you know, Next guy up on the depth chart right now if something were to happen to a defenseman. Uh, so I wanted to focus on, you know, some other guys outside of kind of maybe some of the obvious names if they end up with the Silver Knights. So one guy I wanted to start off with is Lucas Elvinus, who's kind of the layup. Um, if you're doing any sort of guys to watch like this, he had a great rookie AHL season uh, last year, which was also his first in North America. Uh, he's... A winger, he had 48 points in 59 games last year. He's a former fifth-round pick um, from the Knights' first-ever draft in 2017, and he's already come a very long way. He's a playmaker more than a scorer. Uh, He is learning to kind of be more direct on offense at times. That's what I've heard. And then he's still, of course, working on his two-way game, on being as active in the defensive zone as he is in the offensive zone, which is something you will basically hear about any young forward for the most part kind of coming through the ranks. Uh, the big thing to watch, I think, for, you know, Elvinus is, you know, not only how does his kind of second uh, pro season compared to the first, or in teams, I should say more, his second North American season compared to his first, because obviously that's a super tough adjustment for, you know, any young player is uh, coming over to a new continent, playing on a new team in a new league with, you know, players and coaches that you might not previously be super, super familiar with uh, and finding his way. And he certainly found his way 
last year because, as I said, he had a very impressive rookie season. So I want to see what he can do with the follow-up. And specifically, I want to see if he ends up kind of becoming the Knights' first offensive-minded call-up. And what I mean by that is, of course, this is a role that Brandon Peary, I think, for a lot of last year in the season, even before that, kind of filled for the Knights of if there was a bottom, or not a bottom, a top six injury, if the Knights needed to call up someone who could provide some oomph, some offensive firepower to potentially help out on the power play, you know, Brandon Peary was often that guy. believe um, not this season, but the one before, his first call up was because Max Pacioretty got injured. And so, you know, Peary was a guy who had a good shot from the left wing. And so he was the one that was called to kind of step in there. And so if something similar were to happen this year with, you know, Pacioretty or, say, Jonathan Marcheseau or something like that, would Lucas Elvinus be able to kind of work his way into being the guy that could get an opportunity in that situation? Um, As I kind of talked about earlier, he's got really good skills. He's kind of learning still a little bit how to use them at kind of the high, highest level when he doesn't necessarily have the time and space that you would get at lower levels. Um, But I think he has that potential, um, like I said, as soon as this year to potentially make his debut and make an impact. And obviously long-term, he's got a lot of potential to potentially be a regular in the NHL as well. Um, But specifically next season, I want to see how he develops and whether he can kind of force himself into, you know, the conversations around the Golden Knights as is, is this a guy we need to give a chance to if kind of circumstances push us in that direction? Um, another guy that I want to look at, uh, Jack Dugan. Uh, for those of you that don't remember, Dugan is also a fifth round pick from the 2017 draft. Uh, the Knights really did a good job in that draft. Uh, he recently signed out of Providence College after he had a really incredible sophomore season. Uh, he led Division I hockey in scoring with 52 points in 34 games. Uh, like Elvinus, he's more of a playmaker than a scorer. Uh, only you know 10 of those 52 points were goals. The rest were assists. Uh, but one thing that makes him a little bit different than Elvinus is he's bigger. Um, he's still working on his defense as well, but he's a little bit more physical. He's a little bit more willing to grind uh, in terms of how he likes to play his game. Uh, the biggest thing for him, of course, will... Be just like Elvin has had to adjust to North America last year. Uh, Dugan's going to have to adjust to being a pro. And obviously that means, you know, increased physicality compared to playing against college players, as well as obviously just the grind of the schedule. Um, you know, for those of you that aren't super familiar, I mean, college hockey teams usually play kind of twice over a weekend and then they have a break until the next weekend because, you know, obviously, theoretically, they're supposed to be attending classes. Uh, Monday through Friday during the day. Obviously, when you're a professional hockey player, you have to play a lot more often. There's a lot more games on your schedule. And that takes its toll on guys a lot as they're adjusting. So I'll be curious to see how he kind of, you know, works through that, fights through that this year. Once again, just like Alvin, I see he's a guy that's got a lot of potential to be a useful depth piece for the Knights moving forward here. I don't think he's going to necessarily, you know, kind of put himself in that same category as kind of an offensive call up like Elvinus might. But because he has a little extra grit to his game, he could be a potentially cleaner fit in the bottom six if there were to be openings that end up happening there. So I think he has a little bit more lineup versatility than Elvinus just because Elvinus is going to be a little bit probably more reliant on his offense in the NHL. Dugan 
has a little bit of extra elements in terms of, you know, his grittiness, his size that he can bring to the table, that he could potentially be, you know, a useful bottom six guy if he adjusts well enough in the AHL and if he can focus on that defense as well. Because obviously, if coaches can't trust either of those guys to help keep the puck out of their own net, they're not going to trust him to try to put it in the other's team's net. Uh, another guy I want to talk about, and I'm going to switch to defense now, is Dylan Coughlin. And so Coughlin, unlike those other two guys, does have a little bit of a heads up in terms of he was on the postseason roster uh, for the Knights, and he got to go to the bubble with them. So he spent a little bit more time around not just kind of the AHL coaching staff, which now obviously there's going to be a fresh coaching staff in here, um, but he spent time with the NHL coaching staff. He's been around the Knights' actual coaches, and they've gotten to know him obviously very, very well uh, by now. And I think it's very telling that uh, he, along with Nick Hag, were kind of the two AHL call-ups for the playoffs. Um, and then the other depth defensemen that the Knights had on hand were Derek England and John Merrill. And obviously those two players are now gone. John Merrill has signed with the Detroit Red Wings, and the Knights, you know, via GM Kennedy McCrimmon, have basically come out and said, yeah, we're not bringing Derek England back. So now it's up to Hag and likely Coglin to kind of fill those depth roles for the Knights uh, if injuries were to occur. Um, Hoglin is a right shot defenseman compared to Hag being a left shot defenseman. So it's pretty possible if there's a right shot that goes down that Coglin could be the guy that could get called upon. Um, maybe the Knights adjust because, you know, Alec Martinez has played on both the left and the right before. But Pete DeBoer does seem to have in his head that he likes having right shot guys on the right side, which is one reason why uh, the Knights called up Zach Whitecloud pretty soon after DeBoer took over. And now, of course, they signed Alex Petrangelo to a very big contract in order to be their number one right side defenseman. Now, Coughlin will have um, a lot of opportunity to impress the Knights this year because it seems like he's going to be playing for a you know head coach in Henderson and Manny Viveros that was an offensive defenseman himself and is going to implement a high-tempo system that should be really good for Coughlin. This is a guy with a really good shot, some really good offensive instincts. And if he can showcase those in Henderson, you know, it's very possible that he'll eventually get the chance, of course, to showcase those with the Silver Knights. And I think he's already learned a lot about the Golden Knights system because he spent that time in the bubble. So if then he can go to Henderson and also execute it at a very high level, I think that's going to impress a lot of the coaches in both organizations and really put him on the radar, uh, as I said, potentially as a, a call-up if you know issues were to occur in terms of depth at the NHL level with the defense. And then two more guys to touch on here. Uh, Keegan Colasar, Gage Quinney. I put these guys together because their experiences, at least so far, have been pretty similar. Uh, each guy's had a, kind of a cup of coffee in the NHL, each also made the postseason roster, got to go to the bubble, got to practice with the coaches and all that. And each is probably looking at being a depth guy in the organization next year. And obviously both of these guys are kind of bottom six depth guys. But this is going to be a good opportunity for both of them to solidify their futures with the organization and prove that they're ready for the next step. Um, Keegan Colasar actually, uh, his contract converts to a one-way deal uh, not this season, but the following one. So for those of you that don't know what that means, uh, Colasar is going to get a kind of different 
AHL salary and a different NHL salary uh, this upcoming season, which is really common. So guys get paid less if they're in the NHL or in the in the AHL, and then they make more if they get called up to the NHL. Um, but then there are guys that have what are called one-way deals, which is what Colesire will have next year, which means you get paid the same no matter where you're at. So he will get paid, I believe it's $750,000, uh, whether he's in the AHL or NHL next season. And obviously that's a very high AHL salary, so the Knights would probably like him to be in the NHL salary earning that contract. And he has the chance to kind of prove that he's worth that this season with the Silver Knights. And Quinny does not quite have that same setup. He's actually going to be an RFA uh, next offseason. But I think the Knights certainly liked what they've seen from him so far. He is, of course, the first true Vegas-born player to appear in the NHL, the actual first Nevada-born player to ever make his NHL debut. And he's shown some good versatility so far. So I think they like what they've seen. And I wouldn't be surprised if he works his way into the conversation uh, of competing for, you know, a fourth line center job for the 2021-2022 season if he can continue to perform in the AHL because he had really good numbers last year and really took a step forward. Uh, Rocky Thompson, the Chicago Wolves coach for the past three seasons and now, of course, a Sharks assistant coach, uh, was really complimentary when I talked to him kind of during the pause about the strides that Gage Quinney made. Uh, this past season and so we'll see if he gets to show off uh, even more strides in Henderson Um, and lastly I'm interested to see what the uh, goalie situation ends up looking like for the Silver Knights Uh, you know if things goes go as planned Oscar Dance is very clearly going to be the number one because he's you know obviously third on the organizational depth chart he was taken uh, up to Edmonton for the postseason Uh, but after that I'm kind of intrigued to see what happens there Uh, There are three other goalies in the organization, uh, besides, of course, the two other obvious ones, which are Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard. Um, And that's Dylan Ferguson, who people might remember actually debuted the night's inaugural season. Uh, Logan Thompson, who signed during camp in July. And then Jerry Patera, who is a 2017 sixth-round pick, who had a great junior season last year, and he's actually now playing uh, in the Czech Republic because they're already playing over there. You know, uh, Logan Thompson was actually someone who had a phenomenal uh, ECHL season last year. That's the step below the AHL. Um, and so I think he's got a, r- a real chance to um, earn some playing time in the AHL next year. I assume that was probably part of the pitch in terms of you had a great uh, ECHL season. We'll let you take the next step uh, next season and see if you can you know, prove yourself in the AHL. But uh, Dylan Ferguson might be given a chance to fight for that spot in camp as well. Uh, he was in the ECHL as well last year. And I'm curious, you know, how the kind of battle potentially between those two guys and then how kind of things shake out between uh, Dansk and whoever else is the Silver Knights backup goalie, how that kind of shapes the future of the Knights goaltending depth. Obviously, they've got two tremendous NHL goaltenders right now, but... I don't think anyone's really sure how long Marc-Andre Fleury will be around. And with kind of the salary cap not potentially going up for a little bit, it would be huge for the Knights if someone in Henderson kind of proves that, you know, they're worth giving NHL games to and potentially turning into an NHL backup. So we'll see if any of those guys really emerge as someone to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, So those are the couple 
uh, Henderson Silver Knights players that I thought were worth keeping an eye on. And of course, uh, there's your Silver Knights news recap as well as an NHL news recap. I hope that was interesting to you guys. I tried my best to get through these two weeks solo, but of course, uh, my colleague Dave Shane should be back next week and I'll enjoy bantering a little bit back and forth with him instead of just talking to myself. I think I might be scaring other members of my household by doing that. Uh, So I'm about to sign off. Before I do, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by Indeed and Favorshot, drinkafavor.com. Also, please remember to check out all my written work and, of course, Dave's written work when he gets back at reviewjournal.com. We've got a ton of content up there for you guys. Uh, And as always, if you could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. It would be very much appreciated. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And I'll talk to you again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.